see you today. And uh, I, if you're joining with us for the very first time, again, we're so glad that you're with us. There's a lot of great churches in the metro Milwaukee area that you can be a part of, but the fact that you're with us today, we're honored to have you. And this is one of our greater weekends. So this is a weekend that we do three or four of these a year where we kind of highlight a particular project or a particular opportunity to be able to give. Thus, there are these greater envelopes that are on everyone's seat. And so at the end of this uh, today, the end of the message today, you're going to have an opportunity to be able to respond if you'd like to. Again, that's your business, not my business. But greater is about above and beyond. So we believe that tithe is what is an act of obedience according to God's word. And greater is that, that generosity that's above and beyond that that goes around the corner and around the world. It's what we do for missions. It's what we do for outreach. It's what we do to really touch people in a way that doesn't necessarily impact us directly, but eternity shows that. And so today I, wanna, I want to um, share a conversation that I had with someone who uh, I greatly admire and respect, a man named Sam Johnson. Now, if you've been here for a long time, Sam's been here several times, he and his wife Joyce. Uh, and uh, Sam's been a missionary for 56 years, and he's in his 80s. Sam travels globally more than anybody I know. I, I'm not joking. I, during COVID, when people weren't going anywhere, I don't know how Sam did it, but Sam just got in, got out, did what he had to do. It's just whatever. And he's one of those kind of guys. He's a North Dakotan that just kind of was like, he just doesn't quit. And, uh, and so Tammy and I were coming back from Arkansas, and uh, we were in the Minneapolis airport, and we ran into Sam. And uh, he was crisscrossing the globe, and we ran into him there. And, and I just, uh, we just kind of caught up for a couple of moments. And, and in that conversation, Sam told me of something that was happening, a project, about building a Bible college in northern India, an area called Nagaland, which is kind of forgotten. It's kind of, if you know anything about India, there's a lot of caste systems and this is not like uh, if I took you to um, some of the major cities, Calcutta, uh, to um, um, Madras, uh, Bombay, whatever. You're, they're major, huge, millions and millions and millions of people. These are more kind of out, but there's still crazy number of millions of people that live there, just not uh, just because of the, the, the mass of people that are in India. Anyhow, uh, he relayed an opportunity about that Hulda Buntain had had a desire, her and her husband, Mark. And if you remember Hulda, Hulda was here uh, with us uh, when we dedicated this building uh, in 2013. And at that time, Hulda was 85. Uh, and um, so that was uh, almost 10 years ago. And again, <laughs> she and Sam probably are comp competing for who travels the world the most. I see more of that. They're, they're all over raising funds for doing this. And so she had talked to Sam about an opportunity and Sam told me, this is what we're trying to do. And I know in India right now, we can't get missionaries into India uh, on religious visas. Uh, we can't get, you can't send funds into India, even if it's humanitarian, if it's connected with a, if a, a Christian not-for-profit. It's that restricted. There's other ways you have to get in and go into. And it's because the government, they, they, have, uh, they believe that conversion from one religion to another is considered proselytizing in a way that is uh, punishable by jail. And we've even had missionaries that have been imprisoned. Uh, U.S. missionaries, yeah, having to work through the State Department to try to get them out because of public just preaching, doing what I'm doing today. So the window is very narrow and it's closing. And when Sam began to tell me, it was just one of those things like, we got to do something. I don't know what we can do. I don't know how much we can do, but we got to do something. 
So I invited Sam a few weeks ago to come and sit down and have a conversation with me. I'm just going to share part of the conversation. It's about 20 minutes. And then I'm going to come back and give you an opportunity to give. And then we're going to pray and be dismissed. Uh, the conversation went for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. I'm not showing you all of that. Uh, but uh, he is one of those guys that is just a hero in the faith, a man of faith. And uh, he's very, very, very funny. He, if, uh, I didn't tell the last services. He reminds me of, of Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's dad, the way he talks. So big and so huge. He just has these funny, if you'll listen to him, he's got these little funny quips that he'll never laugh. He'll just, he'll just have to hear it. But anyhow, I wanted you to turn your attention to the screens and check this out. Sam, it is great to have you uh, here with us today. And thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know that even in COVID, you have been keeping crazy travel miles. Try to. <laughs> and, and I just want to have a conversation today with you about global missions uh, and what God is doing, what we as a church, and, and, and even most importantly, Life Church can be able to do to be able to help uh, what God is doing around the world and then also through Priority One, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But, but, but first, tell me a little bit about you and about your beautiful wife, Joyce, and how she's doing and all of that. Quickly, let me say that I'm very fortunate to have been born and raised in a godly home. My father was the first district superintendent of the Assemblies of God of North Dakota. We grew up in that kind of an old-fashioned home where we always went to church. If I was sick, they picked me up, took me to church, laid me on a bench. I knew I'd get healed if I got to <laughs> church. And it was in that environment that I grew up. There were five boys, four of us went to North Central Bible College, went into the ministry, and uh, we have enjoyed that kind, of, uh, that kind of a background. And then in 1960, when I was at North Central, at the first and only International Sunday Convention, at that convention, there were a lot of booths. And there was a girl at a booth back in the back. And they took me back there. And there she stood in a yellow coat and blue eyes. And I met Joyce. And from there, it's been 60 years of bliss. Some believe, you look at me and you say, how could you have lived that long, be so young looking? <laughs> and of course, oil of Olay is a miracle drug. But... Uh, that, that Joyce and I met. We married the next year. I was a graduate. We graduated. I graduated as we were married one more year, and then we served churches as a youth pastor in Iowa and Kansas, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, and 66. I, we knew it was time. Time to go to do what God called me as a boy, and that was to be a missionary. So, how many years were you? Have you served as a missionary? We, yeah, it's been, well, it's been 56 years, I guess, if you want to count it that way. Yeah. yeah. We started in 67, and 66, actually. And um, uh, back in North Dakota, when the missionaries would come, and this is a long time ago, but they, 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 they never traveled by plane. They came by car, and they had carloads of tra uh, junk stuff that, curios, <laughs> excuse, excuse my French, and, and they put it all on the platform afterwards, you know, how, and I'd go up there and look at this, look at this, all these wonderful things from Guatemala or Honduras, or, and uh, as a boy, God touched me through the lives of the missionaries, and at the old-fashioned altar, I just knew. Sam, your ministry is Priority One. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Priority One, what it is, how it started, just 
What is Priority One? Priority One really started when the missionaries came and talked about their, what they were doing. And I learned from them as a boy that the key to world evangelization, and let's bring that down to the country, the key to the evangelization in this world is trained leaders. I believe that we as missionaries from America should go and recognize who we are. Number one, we have been at this for over 100 years. We have helped, and not only helped, but we established the natural churches. We're here. We're already established. So let's go where they are, and let's help them become stronger. That's what Priority One has done. You and I know Dr. Barnabas Mokambali, the general superintendent of the Tanzanian Assembly of God, and he says it best for me about Priority One, the ministry that, to which we have given a name to what we do. Priority one. He said priority one does not do the work of the national church. It assists the national church. We've been deeply involved, as you know, in Tanzania, and you've really helped us. Your church has helped us tremendously in Tanzania. Today in Tanzania, the Assemblies of God that 10 years ago had 500,000 believers, today they have 5 million. How is this possible? Possible because they created the Bible schools, they strengthened the Bible schools, and they set for themselves a strategy 12 years ago to start 10,000 new churches in 10 years. Wow. Two years ago, they completed the objective. They started 10,000 new churches. Wow, how did they do this? It, the, the strategy is unbelievable, but they did it because they created church planting schools. You want to plant a church, you come here and you study for five months, sleep on the floor, eat some mush all day long, and you learn how to start a church. And then you go out and you start the church, okay? Now, they have come up with a new strategy. I've got to wipe my brow because it's going to cost me so much. They started a new strategy. They now want to start 30,000 new churches in 13 years. Wow. So I said, so I said, how are you going to do this? They said, we're going to do this because we're going to create 36 new church planting schools, and we need you to help us. And so we've come along to help them create 36 new church planting schools where these students will come in the next 13 years and study, 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 learn, 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 and go out, and they will accomplish their objective. And they're, so, so we're going to come along we're going to come along and we're going to do better than this? I don't think so. So let's find out who's getting the job done and come along and, and get on board with them. Priority one, in essence, for someone that may be completely uneducated about missions and church and whatever, maybe this is the first time they've ever even interacted uh, in, in a Protestant setting before, uh, may, would basically be the building, uh, the facilities to facilitate the, the disciple making uh, training up the leaders to make disciples in their various countries all around the world. Correct. Right. Now, so let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to Jesus. Gee, which is not a bad idea. <laughs> go back to Jesus. Jesus came and spent 30 years right. building houses with his dad. They're building condominiums and strip malls in Nazareth. And at the age of 30, Jesus began his ministry. Right. What did Jesus do? He made disciples. He called disciples. Yeah. And he taught them and he trained them for three years. He formed the first Bible school, I say, of the Assemblies of God. Now, one guy never graduated. I understand that because I never did do well myself. But one guy never graduated, but 11 guys did. But in the at the end, when they really were to be counted on, boy, did they fail badly. 
But Jesus knew why he had come. He went, he saved the whole world by dying on the cross of Calvary. The Holy Spirit came upon these disciples as Jesus sent them to Jerusalem. Peter preached, 3,000 got saved, and we never looked back. Therein lies the secret. Let's not make this into a difficult. This is not, this is not rocket science. Right. It's just simply doing as Jesus did. And so we, we learned from that the secret. And I took that from there to Romania, the fall of communism. We helped to build a Bible school in Romania. We helped in Poland. We helped in Belarus. We built a Bible school in Albania, built a school in Russia and across Eastern Europe with the collapse of communists wide open. We built and we built and we built. And that's what took us to where we are today. But 20 years ago, I gave a name to what we've been doing and I called it Priority One. Nothing more important than doing what Jesus did. Right. And so we gave it a name and we asked some of our friends, hey, would you like to help us? And they said, yes. And so it's grown to the point where God's helped us raise millions of dollars and we've now built in over 55 countries to the world. Not Bible schools exclusively, but maybe a dormitory here, a classroom here, uh, that type of thing. Burkina Faso, I just sent them a quarter million bucks. They got six schools. They need a dormitory here. They need an infirmary here. They, and all these campuses. So we, we, we've helped them. And so we've helped around the world enlarge what they've already have and increase what they've already have. And in some places, start with what they don't have. Yeah, and I've had the opportunity to be able to go with you to many, many, many places, be able to see firsthand right. what's happening. Probably one of the most um, eye-opening that I'll never forget was going with you to- um, Myanmar. Yeah, Myanmar, Burma. Yeah, That's Burma. It. Going with you to Burma and uh, I remember going with you to Burma right after the government, everything had lifted and now everybody was able to come back in after we had pushed missionaries out for what, 50 years? And the Bible school, the remnants of the Bible school that had been built decades earlier right. were still there. They were in, a right. bit in ruins but in, in a decay. But what we found is that there was a church that was now this next generation and the national church had gone to you and said, look, could you right. help us? Right. And we stood right there. And I'll never forget that seeing that, knowing that there was a remnant that remained even under right. that terrible regime for all of those years because of the infrastructure and the work that had been done with missionaries, working with the local, with the national church in order to construct and to build a Bible school. But now we needed to come back in. And that window was but a, just, it was an opportunity at that time. February the 1st of last year, in the middle of the night, the military, which had sunk into the into the into the shadows, re-emerged. They had allowed for a period of time democracy to become established while we were there. The military announcing a state of emergency. Myanmar's 10-year journey to democracy appears to be over. Myanmar is now run by a general after the military deposed the government led by Aung San Suu Kyi. In a bizarre fluke, part of the coup was even caught on video while a fitness instructor did her routine in front of parliament. The armies declared a state of emergency for the next year. They've arrested politicians and shut down social media. Demonstrations are the largest since the 2007 uprising against the military. This is the Myanmar military uh, scrapping the democratic experiment. And they have retaken the country. 
retaking control of the country. So the question is, what's going to happen to the Bible school? I have a fabulous picture that I'd love your, your people to see of hundreds of students who had enrolled for the Bible school last fall because the work of the national church continues. The missionaries are gone. They had to leave. Right. The, the, the West has had to leave again, but the national church, I come back to the national church, the national church, they're there. It, it, but it, one thing it did for me as a local pastor, it gave me a kind of a, of a glimpse of, you have to kind of strike while the iron's hot. But there are true. windows and doors of opportunity that God gives you. So I remember going there with you and seeing that. I mean, I mean, you had to take a plane to a plane to a plane. To, yeah. that, that was the end. Yeah. Like you, you could go no further. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Right? China. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> we're not going there. Right. So the deal is, so we're there. And I remember uh, going, like, seeing and thinking, wow, this is this, like, this is still remnants of what's happened in the past, of, what, of, of all the foundation that's been laid. But at the same time, that was done. And so here's an opportunity. And then, but that was only, as you just described, just a short window of opportunity. And I think to myself as a church, we are given opportunities, you know, to either send or to be senders, right? And so, and in this situation, you're a sender or you don't send because we can't be there anymore. Right. And God knew that. It opened the door, brought priority one under your leadership there, and the national church saying, will you help us? And then you coming back and saying, yes, we can, partnering together with local churches in the United States in order to raise the funds, that those things were built and were done. And then the next thing we knew... The door shut. And when we say the door shut, the door shut on you and me going back. Right. But the door is wide open as far as the spreading of the gospel yes. because of the young people who've been taught and trained and are not intimidated. Right, exactly. So saying that, I want to go right into uh, an opportunity that you and I just discussed just several weeks ago when we, our paths crossed in the Minneapolis airport. You were traveling home. I was traveling home. Tammy and I ran into you. And, uh, and so this is one of those moments where the same sense that I felt in that, uh, at Burma and Myanmar and that, that this is a window of opportunity we've got to be a part of. Right. When you began to, and I want to unpack this for a minute, uh, you shared with me, it was like the Holy Spirit. And I don't try to overstate this. I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to play the God card or God said, but it was like, there is something in this that we need to be a part of. And, and I don't just do that. Uh, but it was like that same type of uh, whisper, if you would, that same type of leaning, if you would, leading, if you would. And so we, we met and, and we connected and you and I just simply said, how are you doing? How's Joyce doing? How are things going? And of course, you're, you're going 90 miles an hour and, and, and <laughs> crisscrossing the globe at a time where nobody's going. And you're just, you're doing all of that. And then you told me about a conversation with Hulda Buntain, the church in Calcutta, and an opportunity. And that was one of those that I want to unpack today. Talk to us about that conversation and about that project that you shared with me. Hulda's off busy doing what she's doing. I'm busy doing what I'm doing. We hadn't seen each other, hadn't talked to each other for three years. And in April of this year, no, last year, because we're already in the 2022, April, she writes to me. She's 96. She said, are you still building Bible schools? Hold the foolish question. Of course I am. 
She said, well, she said, Mark went up in the Nagaland, way up in the northeast part of India, and he evangelized, and there's 500 churches up there, and they desperately need a Bible school. Would you please write to Pastor Moses? So I wrote to Pastor Moses. He wrote back to me. I wrote back to him. He wrote back to me. I wrote to Halder. We went back and forth over a period of about a month. And on May the 25th, I get this incredible, I get this letter from Holden, and she says, Mark will be so happy. I'm so happy. It's wonderful. We're going to have a Bible school among these 500 churches. Thank you, Priority One. May the 25th. And then on July the 2nd, Holden was gone. She passed away. But right up to the very end, until the day she took her last breath, she's working hard for her people for, to build and to train and to do something significant. And there was no way I could say, Halda, we're too busy. No, <laughs> right. we'll do something. Right. And that's the story that I shared with you when we met. Yep. You said, Sam, Halda was our first guest at our new church. Yeah, the Germantown campus, the very first Sunday, Mother's Day, she and Bonnie came in, and, and uh, yeah, and, and it's come back several times since. We love Hulda. Oh, all I of us. said, wonderful. Yes. Let's do something significant for Hulda. Yeah. Because she's looking down on us right now. Right. And you, when you told me that, it was like, how can we be a part? And so talk to us about what we can do as a church to help finish this project out. This is the last piece of the project, from what it I is. understand. There's so four buildings, right? Four b basic buildings. There's the administration building, classroom building. There's the library chapel. It's a multifunctional building. And there's a women's dormitory, of course, and a men's dormitory. Could have right. two dormitories, rightfully so. And so it's four, four buildings on their campus that they are developing. What we talked about was building one of the dormitories, $165,000. You told me in a phone call that just before Christmas, just before the end of the year, you were talking with a friend of yours in Arkansas, mm -hmm. and he was saying, hey, I got some money, where, 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 where do you think I ought to send that? And you talked to him about this, and he sent $30,000 at the end of the yeah. year, which means that all you have to give now is 130. Right, right. That's, that's a right. piece of cake for a great church like yours. Yes, sir, yes, sir. And that's what we want to be a part of. Yeah. We, we want to be a part of that, that's what, that day, Tammy and I, talking to you, just very much said, look, what we want to do is, we, I, I don't know how, I don't know where this fits, but we're supposed to be a part of this. I knew because projects like this and opportunities like this, again, it's like the Burma Miramar right. situation. The doors close, they're open for a season. Right. You got to strike while the iron's hot. And I knew that, that, that well, that's why I told you that day, Sam. I don't, I don't know exactly how it's all going to happen, but right. this is what we're going to do this year. And we, we want to take up a special offering, and we want to stand with you, with Priority One, with, with Hulda Buntain, who we dearly love, and the ministry there uh, in, in, in India. And we want to help complete this project, this Bible school. We want to be a part. We want to do. And that's exactly where we are today. Well, I want to end today, and I want to ask you to do something that I ask every missionary to do if we're ever in a setting. Usually it's on a platform on a weekend service, but I want to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to just close our time today in, pray, in prayer. And I just want you to pray. One of the things that I've always said, I think is a secret sauce to God's blessings at Life Church, is the fact that uh, 
we are about the Great Commission. We're about seeking and saving that which is lost. We're about missions. We're about giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Not just for our, our, our own benefit, not just for the church here locally, but globally. And I think one of, the, one of the reasons why God blesses us is because we're a giving church. We're a right. sending church. Right. We're, we're not a church that just says, well, it's what we're doing locally. No, it's, a, it's around the corner and around the world. And so I've asked every missionary that's ever, ever spoken to, to Life Church just to pray a prayer blessing over the church that we would continue to do what God's asked us to do, not just in our local community, but for missions around the world. And that this DNA that's in our church would never lift and would, right. would, would, would never cease until Jesus comes back. Would, would you close our time in prayer and, yeah, and, and pray so. for us that sure. way? Thank you. Let's pray. Thank you today, Lord Jesus, for your blessings on our lives. I thank you for the way that you have blessed Tammy and Aaron in such an incredible way in Life Church. What you have done through their marvelous staff and these great people to build this phenomenal church numerically and physically right here in Germantown. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And thank you that in the midst of all of the building, they put your kingdom at the forefront. At the very beginning, they decided that through this church, they were gonna also help to touch the world for Jesus. I pray that now, Lord Jesus, in the beginning of this year, a mighty fresh anointing of the Spirit of God to be upon this church, and that they'll go forth and they'll do things that could not be conceived today because you lead them and guide them in your grace and your strength. In Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen. I love what Sam said about Tanzania. And you, you did. You, you gave uh, down through the years. Uh, and that was one of the projects that we gave to. And uh, going there and seeing that Bible school constructed. But hearing the vision of the, of the leader of the, st of the nation there for the church. And going from 500,000 believers to 5 million. That's just crazy in this last 10-year period. Uh, and those aren't evangelistic numbers. Those are documented numbers because of the Bible school, the Bible program, uh, the graduates, the pastors. And it just reminds me what Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. That's what you do. You are the sender to the one who is sent to be able to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ around the corner and around the world. That's what Greater is all about. And so today I'm gonna to ask you to take a couple moments and to consider the project in Northern India, this Bible school. There's some opportunities on how you can give on the screen. There's also going to be, for those of you that are with, with us live, uh, that are here, um, this giving envelope that's on the seat uh, you, that you can give that way. But before you do that, I, I wanna tell you again what we're trying to accomplish. Again, you, you heard the story for the dormitory there. By the time I got to Sam, that was all that was left. It'd be much easier to say, let's, let's pay for the theological library or for the, for the classrooms. But you gotta house people if you're going to educate them. 
And so again, there was one building left, 160,000, you heard the story. I had a phone call at the end of the year and, and said, hey, there's a, ask me about a project for missions. And I told that individual, hey, if you'll, this, this is something we're giving towards if you wanna give. And so he gave 30,000 in that direction. So it's 130,000 is where we're at. There's 48 rooms in this dormitory. So the cost of every dorm room would be $3,333. There's four students per room, so that's $833. So maybe today you'd go, hey, you know what? I'd like to do a dorm room. Um, and some of you have the ability to be able to do that. You may go, whoa, man, I, I'm not prepared to do something like that. And again, none of this stays here. All of this will go. You may say, well, I, I, I want I wanna, one student, $833. Again, the amount is not what's important. What's important is whatever the Lord puts on your heart. That's what's important. It's not my business. I'm just here to give you an opportunity. So you may say, man, I've got 10 bucks. Okay, I've got 100, I've got 200, I've got 500. I'm not really prepared in this moment, but, but could I do something this week? Absolutely. I, I just would say to you that as soon as we gather these, these funds together, we're going, to, we're going to wire transfer the money to Sam, to Priority One, uh, he, he called me last month and said, hey, just want to let you know, no pressure, but the permit's already pulled and we're ready to go as soon as we get the money. Does that surprise you at all by him? Yeah, that's... And so I said, hey, 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 I haven't done... I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, well, ne next month, next month, you're on the docket. We're, we're, we're going to take it off. Oh, no, no, no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. Sure, yeah, famous last words. But that's what I love about his heart. It's, it's, about, it's about reaching this. And so 48 rooms... $3,333 a room, $833 for a student. Whatever you want to give, all of it's going to go, big or small, maybe different amounts, but equal sacrifices, whatever the Lord would lay on your heart. And I just want to take a moment before you do something, and I just want to say why this is important. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, I'm not the best guy in the room, but I am a leader. And I do know when God begins to move and the waters are troubled, it's an opportunity to do something. When I watched the video, and the, and the team did such an amazing job with that video, our, our guys uh, in the media department, just phenomenal. But I'm watching that in my office this week, just kind of preparing for this. And as they went to the, the footage of Burma, I just began to break and I began to cry. Like I had to bring myself back together. Because I remember what it was like to get there. To all the way, you felt like you're just to the very, you could go no further. There was no plane. It was like the last stop on a train stop. It was like, this is where it ends. And you get there and you're, you're encountering buildings that are just falling apart, but they're still there because it's been 50 years since we've been there, since the West has been there to invest in any money, any, any whatever. And you would think because of the dictatorship and the regimes and the harshness and the anti-Christian sentiment that it would be gone. But the truth of the matter is there were these 20 year olds, these millennials that were so in love with Jesus that would not be denied. You saw it on the screen. We're all there in a church service. And, and, and man, it was the most off key singing I'd ever heard in my life. It was just like, oh my, and we're jet lagged on top of that. And it's like, wow, these people cannot sing to save their life. I don't speak the language, but I'm telling you, this is not on key and it was loud. But there was this passion 
to change their world, even when their world had been completely against them. And so you saw I'm standing there with Sam and what, what can we do? And I just knew we needed to do something. I knew in that moment. So you, we, we gave significantly tens of thousands of dollars in order to help get that back where it was. And when I saw the picture of those students knowing that now the dictatorship is back, the West has been kicked out, any missionary presence that we had during that brief period of time, they were all taken out of the country. It was a window of time. This side of eternity, we may never be able to go back in. In my lifetime, I would love to, but in my lifetime, I may never be able to get back there. But eternity will reveal. So there's only two things that are eternal. There's only two things that leave this earth. God's word and people. That's it. And so today I want to give you that type of an opportunity here in Northern India in this Bible college, because I'm telling you, it's a window of opportunity. It's a window of opportunity to be able to do something that is far beyond us. You and I can travel as on tourist visas to India, but I can't preach. I've preached in India. I've been to India many times. I, I can't preach anymore openly. I, I'm, I'm not, I have to have a particular visa. And if not, I can be in prison. They can take me immediately. And that, that has happened to missionaries and pastors. I, I personally know of people that have had to get the State Department involved in order to get them out out of weeks in the Indian jail. I cannot imagine. It's very hostile towards anything that we would openly do here. That's why this is so important, because if we raise up leaders and we invest in leaders, pastors, leaders that will plant churches and build churches and lead people to Jesus, lives will be changed. That's how we're going to change the world. And this is one of those opportunities. First Timothy, Paul instructs Timothy in, in chapter six, verse 17 and 18 and 19. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment and command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up for themselves a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So whatever you do today, whether, whether you buy and you pay for, you invest for several rooms at $3,333 a piece, you, you invest for one or more students at $833, or you just, you give a dollar, that's all you got. Whatever you do, what you're doing is not about today. It's about eternity. What you're doing is not about a dividend today. And, and, I'm, and I'm all for, and I'm, I'm, I'm all for let, put money in savings have emergency funds. I'm a big Dave Ramsey guy, don't have debt, uh, you know, and, and all, but I'm just gonna tell you, like the, the biggest check that Tammy and I write every month is to missions, it's to greater. And we're gonna give in this offering above and beyond because I just, I just believe you can't outgive God. Bigger than my house payment, bigger than anything else. And I'm saying that humbly because it's, I just wanna make sure in my lifetime, as much as it depends upon me, as much as I have the ability, I wanna move the needle. I wanna see people around the corner and around the world come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is. And Jesus said it in John chapter nine, verse four. And this is the last one I'm gonna quote that I'm gonna pray. It says, work while it is day because night comes when no man can work. That's why I'm giving you this opportunity for this project. If you don't do anything, that's between you and the Lord. I hope everybody will do something. 
But whatever you do, ask the Lord, Lord, is this something I need to invest in? Is this something you're asking me to do? And if you feel nothing, don't give anything. Again, it's between you and God. I'm just telling you, here's a great opportunity. I believe there's a window of opportunity. I believe there's a time for us to be able to be there and to invest. And I think just like Tanzania, the return can be exponential. That's my prayer. My prayer is for you. So I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray God's blessing on you. Again, there's, there's opportunities to give online. There's also this envelope. We're gonna pass the bucket as it comes by. And if for some reason you're not prepared today to give, no worries, you can simply grab this envelope and, and drop it by, put it in the mail, whatever you need to do. Or um, at any point in time, you can give online and use those options to give. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you today. Lord, for God, for the opportunity that you ask us, you will get it to us if you can just get it through us. You're a debtor to no man, your word says. So what we give today, what you lay upon our hearts to give, it's, it's not about um, a hardship. It's, it's not about taking from us. It's not about what we can budget. It's about, Lord, what you are asking of us. So I pray, God, whatever we have in our hand to give, that you'd bless it. Be it the widow's might or be it the biggest check in the offering. That's between you and them, Lord. But I pray you'd bless it. I pray, God, you would bless this Bible college. Lord, I know that you've blessed the work of the Buntains. Father, I pray, God, you would bless this last request of this great missionary. I pray, God, that you would bless those that are going to build these buildings, that it will happen, Lord, in a very quick and fast time so that the, these students can get into these classes and can live and reside in these dorms and can be there. Lord, whether we get to see it this side of eternity or not, that doesn't matter. What's important is, is that, God, that your word is proclaimed to an area of the world that many of us in this room may never visit, but they're your people. And you love them and you care for them and you hear their prayers just like you do ours. So Lord, we don't have the ability to go, but we have the ability to send. We are those who are rich in this present world. And with that comes a, a responsibility, not unto man, not unto a pastor, not unto a church, but unto you, Lord. So as we give today, bless it, bless your people. God bless your people, this generous church, as we respond to what you ask us to do, not what man asks us to do, not even what the opportunity is, but what you want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you as you give today.